Good morning to all of you who I haven't said good morning yet. It's good that we are in the presence of God and and thank you, Barry. Thank you, worship team for whoa, 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 whoa. I'm here, I'm upstairs, I'm everywhere. That's how my voice goes sometimes. That's how Gabby feels sometimes. Ruben, just tone it down a little bit. Because you know I, I'm, I'm Latin-based. I'm full Portuguese 100%. And many times when I speak, my voice just gets louder and louder. I know you have Portuguese neighbors. How many of you have Portuguese neighbors next door? You know how loud Portuguese people can be. That's who I am. Portuguese, but by the grace of God, redeemed, so I can try to control my voice as well. Amen. So excited to be with you this morning to share the Word of God. So excited for a new message series that God really brought to our hearts. So excited to learn more about God with all of you. The message series that we're going to enter is called Meals with Jesus. Do we have foodies in the house? Woo! There's not going to be recipes. I'm not going to try to cook anything. So many times we hear of how people are impacted by this community just because they walked through those doors and they had breakfast. Can you give a round of applause to the Connect team? (laughs) Amazing breakfast. Meals are so, so, so important for us. It's part of who we are. It's part of church. The service starts at 10, not at 10.30. I can break it to you. It starts at 10 when we share a meal together. Every Sunday we have breakfast, and every Sunday we tend to have lunch together. It's not an institutionalized thing. It's not on the door. It's not on the website. But hey, it's 12.30. Ruben has preached a lot longer than I expected. Things are starting to move on. Maybe Bolt Food or Uber Eats can arrive here with something. And we end up being having lunch together here on Sundays as well. Not just that, life groups during the week. I think every single life group this past season had food on the table, right? Every time we have food around. We are strong believers in nourishing both the body and the soul. And throughout history, the table has been the epicenter of relational life. Few acts are more expressive of community than the shared meal. Someone with whom we share food with is likely to become our friend or is already our friend. And so we love this opportunity that we have to speak about meals with Jesus. Because Jesus himself did much of his ministry over meals. That's how I arrived at this message series. I knew that Jesus was at the table many times with his followers, with with people who invited him over. But I had no idea that so many episodes, so many of what happened in the Word of God happened during a mealtime. So during this message series, we're going to look at five different meals that Jesus shares in the Gospel of Luke. And in each case, he reveals something extraordinary about who he is about what his kingdom is all about and what are the implications for our own lives but also for our tables so today we will open our bibles in the gospel of luke if you don't have a bible you can follow along from the screens or you can quickly download the bible app how many of you have the bible app installed on your phones you're my crowd the bible app 
has so much potential. It, it's so helpful for us to really grasp the Word of God. Even if you like the physical Bible, having an app that helps you and encourages you to follow and to read the Word of God is, has been amazing. The Bible has 66 books and letters in total. The Gospel of Luke is the fourth book in a section called New Testament. So this Gospel of Luke is a detailed account on the life and the works of Jesus. So that's where we want to go. If we want to learn more about Jesus, if we want to learn of what he said, of what he did, we go to the Gospels. And in chapter 5, we are still in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And beginnings are always exciting, right? There's something so special about beginning something. And when I think about beginnings, I, I remember six years ago when Gabby and I, we started the Lisbon Project, our nonprofit, and we started the church. So why start one organization when you can't start two, right? It's mu so much better. But in the beginning, we're always full of ideas and dreams and energy and passion. And even though things are so small, things are so tiny, we're just so excited. We, we pump ourselves up and it's so exciting to be part of a beginning. And I'm sure that you have that as well in your life. When you start a new job, when you get into college or you go to a new school or you move into a new neighborhood, everything is perfect. Everything is beautiful. Everyone is so nice to you. And life is just so perfect and exciting, right? So this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry as well. It was very exciting. In Luke chapter 4, it says in verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit and stories about him spread all through the area. He began to teach in their synagogues and everyone, see everyone, everyone praised him. Jesus started teaching about all of the truths about God. Jesus was embracing the lonely. He was healing the sick. He was comforting the poor. Everyone loved Jesus. Everyone was praising Jesus. Everyone loved him so much. But all of a sudden, this wasn't true anymore. Are you familiar with the Gospels? Familiar with the story of Jesus? Soon, not everyone was so excited about him. So he was preaching in chapter 4. He was preaching in his hometown, Nazareth, when he declared essentially that he was the Messiah that was prophesied in the old book of the Bible, in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, that he was the Messiah. So what did the people of Nazareth do? They turned against him. How could, can he be the Messiah? He's Joseph's son. We've seen him grow up. How can he say that he is the Messiah, the anointed one from God? And the word of God says they became angry. And I don't know if you're following The Chosen, the, the TV show. How many of you know The Chosen? Who doesn't know about The Chosen? Some of you. Okay, you can leave now. No. The Chosen is an amazing account as well. It's a TV show, but it's an account of, of the acts of Jesus and his disciples. So make sure you download the app. It's called The Chosen app, so you can watch all the episodes for free. And it's another way of embracing the gospel, of getting to know the story of Jesus. Of course, they, they do, they have many liberties in order to make a TV show out of it, but still, it's 
very much respecting what the Word of God says. And uh, Gabby was showing me recently this, this part. She knew I was going to preach about this, and she showed me the episode about this. And, and Jesus was there, and everyone that he grew up with, and they were like, Jesus, what are you doing? Have you lost your mind? You're basically claiming you're the Messiah, that you are the Son of God? I mean, if you, if you do this, we have no other choice but to sentence you to death. That's what the law of Moses says. If any of anyone comes with something that is against the law of God, they need to be stoned. They need to be put to death. And they were pleading with Jesus, please, Jesus, just take it back. And Jesus would say, no, you heard me. This is who I am. So they became angry at him, and they planned to throw him off the edge of a cliff. How about that for a start? How about that for a beginning? And when we start to face opposition, and maybe that was your experience in Lisbon. You arrive in Lisbon, everything is perfect. And Portuguese is such a beautiful language. And Portuguese food, amazing. And our, my neighbors are just amazing. And all of a sudden, Portuguese isn't that easy. And you don't understand a thing. And the buses simply don't come. They don't show up on time. Why did I come here? Why didn't I stay home? I don't deserve this. But that's not the Jesus attitude. Jesus attitude is what he says in verse 43. I must preach about God's kingdom to other towns too. This is why I was sent. When Jesus was pressed by the people to just be quiet, when everyone started rejecting Jesus because he was claiming that he was the son of God, instead of going back in shame and fear, Jesus said, I must go to other towns too. Then he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Jesus' attitude is, this won't stop me. He knew that life was not going to be easy, even for the son of God. He knew he would meet great people along the way. He would make great friends and he would be a blessing. But he knew that he was also going to be rejected and persecuted. And sometimes we feel surprised because life doesn't really go our way and people don't like us for no good reason. When Jesus told us from the beginning, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus told us, in this world, you will have trouble. We all have troubles. But he also told us, but be brave. I have defeated the world. As hard life can be, remember with Jesus, you're always in the winning team. You may feel that you're losing, that your circumstances are bringing you down, that you cannot hear the voice of God anymore because all you can see is darkness around you. Jesus is saying, be brave because I'm with you. Be brave because you're part of the winning team. The reason we are in the winning team is because of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, in everything God works for the good of those who love him. So whenever we start facing obstacles and problems, who doesn't have a problem? At least one problem. Someone in this room whose life is problemless.
And you're like me. The moment that we start, life can be absolutely perfect, but we have one problem. That's the only thing that we focus on. Our energy to go to God to read the word of God. Oh, I'm so drained. I don't feel like praying anymore. Oh, I don't feel like going to church anymore. I don't feel like worshiping God because I have a problem. And we make our lives about the problems. And we make our lives about the obstacles. We make our lives about the troubles. Instead of understanding and renewing our minds in the thought that in everything God works for the good. We don't have to give in to the feelings of defeat and frustration because God has a plan. He's got this. He knows how to work everything for the good. So we need to be more like Jesus. We need to be more like Jesus. When problems come, when troubles come, this won't stop me. Keep doing what you're called to do. Keep focusing on the good that God is accomplishing through your life. Focus on the people that you're helping to lift up. Focus on being a blessing in God's hands. Instead of going down all the time. Then we arrive in chapter 5 and Jesus goes beside Lake Galilee. We're going to get to the meal, I promise. Jesus goes beside Lake Galilee. Why did Jesus go there? Sometimes it's called Sea of Galilee, but in reality, it's a lake. It's a lake, but let's call it a, a, I'll call it a lake for my sake, but if you read the Bible, many times it's called the sea. It's a body of water. Why did Jesus go there? He went from a synagogue to where people meet to beside uh, a lake. Because the shores of Lake Galilee, they were the hub of community life in that area. It's where you would find people traveling, where you would find people shopping. You had markets there. You had people working like the fishermen were there. It's not where you would find the wealthy and the powerful and the educated. It's where you would find the simple, the hardworking, the ones struggling to make ends meet. And many times those that were hopeless. That's where Jesus went. To preach so the minute jesus starts preaching in luke chapter 5 this great crowd starts forming around him they have never heard someone speak like this man he looked like a rabbi but he didn't speak like a rabbi he spoke with so much authority and so much depth but still He told stories that anyone could understand, even children. When suddenly there were way too many people around Jesus, Jesus asks this guy called Peter if he could take his boat and preach to the crowd from his boat in the water. And Jesus preaches and teaches and shows people what the kingdom of God is about. And when he finished, he challenged Peter, James, and John to follow him uneducated, rough around the edges, fishermen, they were challenged to follow the most amazing teacher, the most amazing rabbi that anyone has ever met. So they didn't even think twice. You want me to follow you? Oh, yeah, I will. I've never heard anyone like you. I've never met anyone like you. And they became his first disciples. And we arrive in verse 27. In Luke 5, the Bible says, After this, Jesus went out 
and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax collector's booth. Jesus said to him, follow me. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. So Jesus was bringing alongside of him not just an educated, unqualified pupils, fishermen, but he also called a tax collector to follow him. Tax collectors were not like the tax collectors that we see today, even though no one really likes them. But tax collectors at this time, they were a public disgrace. At that time in the first century in Judea, the land was occupied by the Roman Empire. The government was an oppressive regime. They took away most of people's freedoms, most of the Jewish people's freedoms. And not just that, but they imposed a very repressive tax system on every single inhabitant of that land. If you didn't fulfill your duties as a citizen of the Roman Empire, you would go to jail many times for the rest of your life. Imagine that you're living in your own country, that you are invaded, and not just that, but you are taxed to live in your own land. Now, there was a big problem is that the tax collectors that the Bible is talking about, they were Jewish people. These were Jews that were working for the Roman Empire. They were seen as traitors to their own country. And not just that, they were enriching themselves at the expense of their own people, their fellow citizens. Can you imagine the faces of Peter, James, and, and John? When Jesus approaches this tax collector and says to him, follow me. But the story continues in verse 29. Then Levi gave a big dinner for Jesus at his house. Many tax collectors and other people were eating there too. The Bible says that Levi was so filled with joy that he invited everyone he knew to be with Jesus as well. So there's no surprise there were many tax collectors there because no one wanted to be friends of Levi. Just other tax collectors. Yes, there were a few other people there. So Jesus... And his fishermen disciples were now having dinner with other tax collectors and other frowned upon members of society. Of all the people Jesus could have been with at that time, Jesus chose to have dinner with the shameful, with the immoral, with the broken, with the rejected, with the inexcusable, with the unforgivable. And you know something? Jesus felt right at home. Jesus wasn't forced into a dinner he didn't want to attend. And like some of us, have you had the experience of having to go to a dinner that you really, really, really didn't want to go to? Don't judge me. I know. I know. We've all been there. Jesus welcomed everyone who wasn't worthy of sharing a meal with God. 
Every single guest, I believe every single guest at that dinner, every single one of them knew this was once in a lifetime opportunity of being so close to someone as wonderful, as holy, as kind, even if it would be just for one simple meal. I can only imagine how their hearts were before so dark, before so lonely. All of a sudden, they were in the presence of the Son of God. Listening to Him, embraced by Him. Because Jesus was not ashamed of being with them. And let me remind you of something. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't know. Jesus is not ashamed of you. No matter what you did, no matter what was done to you, Jesus loves you. He doesn't simply tolerate you. He wants you. He wants to walk closely to you. He wants you to learn from him. He wants you to be healed by him. He wants you to be changed by him. He wants you to be saved by him. Don't ask me or anyone for the reason why Jesus loves you. And why does Jesus loves me? I also, I don't understand why. But the fact is, he does. And because he does, his love changes everything for me. And his love needs to change everything for you. Maybe throughout your life you have felt that in order for, to be loved, you had to say the right things. You had to behave in a certain way. You always had to please. You always had to speak what other people wanted to hear. You couldn't be yourself. You couldn't voice your thoughts. You couldn't have your wishes. You couldn't have your plans. It's not like that with Jesus. In order for, to be truly loved, you don't have to be anyone else other than you. Because that's who Jesus loves unconditionally. He accepts you as you come to him. You don't have to spend your life looking for true love because all of us, we can find it in Jesus. The dinner apparently was going very well. But in verse 30, he says, but the Pharisees and the men who taught the law for the Pharisees began to complain to Jesus' followers. Why do you eat and drink with, ugh, I can't even say it, with tax collectors, with sinners? Again, Jesus didn't please everyone. For the Pharisees, for these teachers of the law, what Jesus did and what his followers were doing was despicable. A rabbi, a teacher of God associating himself with evildoers. What kind of a man is he? This could only mean that he approves their lifestyles. He approves what they're doing, their actions. What kind of a teacher he is if he doesn't make people feel that they're sinful. 
if he doesn't make people feel that they're unworthy, if he's so holy, how can he be with people? They are simply scum. And notice, they didn't say anything to Jesus. They complained to his followers. How is this possible? He cannot be a good teacher. Look at you, following Jesus. Look at what he's doing. Look at, look at what he's making you do. Do you really want to go inside that house? Of that ugh, tax collector? Do you think it's appropriate? Do you think that people will respect you? Look at the shame you're going to bring your families, your friends, associating with those people. I think this is the ugliest human trait one person can have. To believe that we are better than any other human being. And unfortunately, I still think that this trait exists in all of us. In some way, in some shape, in some form, it's there. We objectify people. We stigmatize them. We label them. Society encourages us to only associate with people that lift us up, with people that are good. Don't hang out with people that will bring you down, that are bad examples. Don't even get close to them. We may not go to the point of the Pharisees of, of this kind of rejection of people, but we allow ourselves to treat people differently because they're different. We easily turn the commandment of love your neighbor. Three little words. But we make it into a lengthy contract filled with footnotes, filled with different scenarios that none of us are actually living in. Either for religious or professional or personal reasons, we find excuses not to love others as Jesus did. But let me say this in the nicest way that I can. Because I'm not preaching just to you, I'm preaching to myself. If you accepted the message of the gospel simply because you are afraid of hell and eternal punishment, you still don't know Jesus. If what motivates you to walk with Jesus is fear of punishment, then you don't know who Jesus is. You still haven't met the love that God has for you. Just because we consider ourselves Christians, it doesn't mean that we were once changed by the love that we found in Him. Only a person who has had a personal encounter with Jesus' love can actually love others. Jesus called us to love everyone the same way that He loved us. He didn't call us to reject people. He didn't call us to shame people. He didn't call us to point fingers. He called us to love. You don't have to stop believing what you believe. You don't have to stop being who you are in Jesus Christ. 
And yes, I know sometimes loving others, it will be hard because you may not know exactly what to say. You don't know exactly what to do. How to behave, how to make sure that you're showing people love, but you're also voicing what you believe and what you want to live. It's not always easy. But in whatever you do, you and I, we can always choose to be meek like Jesus. Meek is not synonym to weak. Meek means behaving with goodness, with kindness, showing strength in serenity and in self-control. That's the only way that Jesus told us to be in this world. Love. Love your neighbor. Jesus knew what the Pharisees were complaining about. And he himself answered the accusation. If people have a problem with the way that you live, with the way that you serve others, with the way that you love others, you just need to tell them, go speak with Jesus. Go tell him. And in verse 31, the Bible says, Jesus censored them. It is not the healthy people who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to invite good people, but sinners to change their hearts and lives. Jesus came for the sick. Jesus came for the lost. Jesus came for the broken. He came to invite them to change their hearts and lives. He couldn't have saved them if he wasn't surrounded with them. Jesus couldn't even save you if he couldn't be surrounded by sinners. The same way we cannot love everyone if we're not surrounded by everyone. If being surrounded by people whose sin isn't tolerable to you, then you're judging people. You're not loving people. Many times we're worried if, if just by loving people, will they know the truth? Will they know what are the standards of God? Will they ever know more about God? How can they know that they're sinners if I don't tell them that they're sinners? Let me ask you something. Who's able to save people? Let me ask again. Who is able to save people? So let's let him handle it. He told us, go into the world. Preach the gospel. Show people love. Embrace them as I have embraced you. Because we are not the saviors. He is. We don't have to tell people around that they're sinners. We just need to tell them the gospel. Hey, do you know Jesus? This is who he is. This is what he came to do. Will you walk with him? Will you join me in walking with him, in following him? And getting to know more about him. 
It's not about fixing people's lives so that they can become followers of Jesus. Jesus didn't do this to you. If someone did this to you, they didn't do the right thing. It's an invitation to come and follow the God that is love. The God that embraces, the God that accepts, the God that takes you as you are, but never leaves you the same way as he found you. Oh, but will people ever change their ways? Will people change their behavior? You don't have to worry about that. Because love, true love, God's love is transformational. Jesus didn't receive us when we were doing great. When we had everything sorted out. When we start, when we enter a relationship with Jesus, we are the most broken of human beings that we can ever find. But the moment that Jesus comes in, the moment that Jesus embraces us, the moment that we understand that God loved us so much that he sent his only son so that we don't live far away from him for all eternity, but we are embraced by him and we start living with him now, when that time comes, his love starts changing you. You will ask me, but how fast are people are going to change if I don't just help the Holy Spirit a little bit? If I don't just, you know what you're doing is... If they don't know, they won't do it. It's taking time. Let me ask you something. How fast are you letting Jesus change your life? Do you still struggle with sin? Do you still struggle with aspects in your life that God is working in you, but it's taking longer than you, than you wished? But you show grace and love and mercy to yourself because you know that God loves you and embraces you. How about we start showing that same kind of love to others? Someone that comes close to Jesus and starts walking with him, of course they're not going to get everything right. Of course their lives are not going to be perfect. Of course they're still going to sin and be imperfect people. But hey, we all were imperfect when we started. And we allowed Jesus to continue to work in our hearts and lives. But man, what he's doing, it just feels like he should be better at that. This sister, my goodness, I cannot tolerate that. That's inexcusable. That's when we allow ourselves to become judges of people. Our responsibility is to love others. Point them to the truth. Not lowering the standard of God. Not saying anything other than what Jesus wants to do in your life. What he wants to accomplish until the day that he comes back. We won't lower that standard. Recently I've said the only standard that we have is Jesus Christ himself. That's who God is forming you and me to be like. But the journey to go there is very different from you and me and anyone that follows Jesus. And if we stop being a community that embraces, that loves, we're not allowing the love of God to continue to transform people in their journeys with God. 
Jesus invited himself over for dinner with Zacchaeus. He's another tax collector in the Bible. And this dinner happened in chapter 19. I, can't, I say dinner. It could have been any other meal of the day. Chapter 19, verse 6 says, Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus gladly. All the people saw this and began to oh, complain again. Jesus is staying with a sinner. Jesus is associating himself with people that live such terrible lives. But Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, I will give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone, I will pay back four times more. Jesus said to him, salvation has come to this house today. Because this man also belongs to the family of Abraham. The son of man came to find lost people and save them. Jesus didn't go to Zacchaeus' house to preach. It was to share a meal. It was to speak from his heart. And during that meal, Zacchaeus became a changed man. I don't know how to save people. We don't know how to save people, but Jesus does. And the only thing that Jesus is encouraging me to do and encouraging you to do is bring people to him. Let people know of Jesus. And he will change their hearts and lives like he is changing yours. We cannot let go of sin and its power on our own. We need Jesus. We cannot fix our lives for Jesus. We need Jesus to fix us. And to do and start doing a beautiful work in us. But remember this. People cannot welcome his power. If they don't welcome his love first. People will not understand the power of Jesus. If they don't understand his love first. And the only way people can understand his love. Is if we love one another. It's if we embrace one another. I want to invite the worship team to come. In this series, I believe that we're going to discover more of who Jesus is. We're going to learn more about his heart. Jesus, the son of God who came to find and save the lost. And if you are lost, if you feel lost, if you are broken, if you are tired, if you recognize that you have been living away from God, the answer is Jesus. Jesus. He still loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you too much as well to leave you the same way as he found you. The love that Christ has for you is a transformational love. Jesus has plans. He has purposes for your life. Maybe you don't know how to fix your life. Maybe you feel it's beyond 
what anyone could ever do to you. Not for Jesus. Because Jesus is a maker of hearts. Jesus made you. Jesus isn't just a man that came 2,000 years ago claiming to be the Son of God. He was God himself. He's the author of life. He formed you in your mother's womb. He knows you inside out. Nothing about you frustrates Jesus or infuriates him or would ever make him reject you. He loves you. And he only wants to walk closer to you, be with you, change the things in you that you cannot change yourself. Fulfill that plan that he set for your life so that you could experience more of the goodness and the power and the grace of God in your heart. Things that you could never achieve on your own. That's who Jesus came to save. He came to find and to save the lost. If you're here in this room this morning, it means that Jesus found you. And that he's speaking sweet words of love into your heart this morning that you cannot close your heart to anymore. Come to Jesus. Go to Jesus. He is right there to embrace you. To fill your heart with true love and to start changing you into this new person that he created you to be. And dear friends that have been walking with Jesus, a true encounter with Jesus needs to interrupt our way of living. A life truly transformed by the love of Jesus is propelled to share the love of God with others. Is everyone welcome to have a seat at the table of your heart? Is everyone that you know welcome to come close to you and get to know you first so that they can get to know Jesus? Are you embracing others the same way as Jesus embraced you, undeserving? Do people feel judged by us so much that they don't even come close? That we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable and open to certain people. When is, when is the best time to show love to others? Always. We can make a commitment this morning to start showing that love to our family, to our coworkers, to our boss, to our employees. You can start appreciating people, not just because of what they do or what they do not do, but because they were incredibly and wonderfully made by a God that loves them as much as he loves you. And the same God that gave you this opportunity to have a new life, to be a new person, to find a new purpose, to find a new calling, 
is the same God that wants to give that opportunity to others. Will you pray with me this morning? Jesus, we are coming before you in our brokenness and confessing our own sins and confessing our own problems. In our nature that we still find it hard many times to love others. Maybe we've, gone, we've grown so cold that we don't even know how to love others. Lord, your love is wonderful. Your love is kind. Your love is so good that every single day we want to be met by your love. And you come to us and you always speak words of love, of forgiveness, of kindness, even when we do not deserve. Father, sometimes along the way we have forgotten that this is our responsibility as well, to do this to others. To be like Jesus in this world so that people can get to know you. Lord, will you help us to stop in our ways, in our own problems, in our own personalities? And will you help us start showing love? Love that brings people closer, not farther away. Love that is dignified, love that is self-controlled, love that is gentle, even when we have to voice the way that we live. Help us to show others the same grace and mercy that you have shown us from the very first day. And Lord, maybe even throughout this year, Lord, we want to see people around us being transformed by your love. We don't want to end this year in the same way that we began. We want people around us to come to you and to join you for all eternity as we celebrate the salvation that Jesus gained for us on the cross. Continue to work in our hearts and lives, Lord. And Father, may all of us this morning be open to be loved by you and be transformed by your love. In the name of Jesus, we pray.